Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crimes in history. My name is Em. And I'm Autumn. And we are your hosts. And we are back. We are back. Sorry that we missed. What, a week? Tuesday? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had to, we had to skip. Like, we're rec- I mean, we're recording this, what, what's today? Friday? So we missed yeah. just this past Tuesday, but yeah. they'll be hearing this in the future Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry. It's been a little wild. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I, uh, I put in the Instagram post. I'm like, because of some crazy in real life happening. <laughs> Not for real. Yeah. No, it's, been, been, it's been kind of crazy. <laughs> Not to lie. There is a lot going on. There's been a lot going on. So we had to, uh, you know, we made the executive decision to uh, put a pause on <laughs> releasing an episode because we just didn't have any fucking time to record. No. And But we're back. But we're That's back. That's the important shit. And we're back with a two-parter. Two-fucking so parter. We have got some, well, anybody who follows the Instagram, not there's many of you, <laughs> <laughs> um, would see that the case we're delving into is the Toy Box Killer, a.k.a. David Parker Ray. Um, this case is gross. <laughs> he, that's the only word, like, I, I like, think about this Man, not that I want to think about this guy. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and the first word that comes to my mind is gross. <laughs> That's gross. Gross. Like he is literally fucking gross. I, I don't know what other word. I was telling Di Di a little bit about this case. Again, not that she listens to the fucking podcast. Um, <laughs> and like her face when I was dis- just like describing like small details to her, she was like, Ugh. she's funny. Yeah. Um, so. And also, it's not Thirsty Thursday, but we do have some drinks. I got some wine. Oh, Emily I has have a, a, I have a lime high noon just because I said we we're going to need some fucking drinks for this. <laughs> so here we are. So here we are. We got our drinks. We're ready to get into this fucking case and yeah it's gonna be a wild one and we're going to do it in two parts because if not this would probably be like a three-hour episode and while some of y'all might be cool with that i'm not cool sitting here and recording this shit for three hours not gonna hold you i don't want to do that i need (laughs) i need a break (laughs) my ass cheeks need a break from the chair i need need a break get up from talking about this shit you're probably gonna need a break from listening to this (laughs) So, yeah, and I, like, I can't even say that it gets a little better in part two, because it doesn't. Probably is worse. It's, like... Did you split up your notes, like, part one, part two? I did, yeah. So, I know exactly where this one's going to end, and I know exactly, like, how I ended it, like, where I'm about to end it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, part one is rough. Part two is rough. (laughs) So, (laughs) there's no, um... Mm. There's no... What's the word I'm looking for? There's no, um, um... Reprieve from anything in this case. It, It starts... Low and it ends low. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So I had to slurp this for is a second. Be the ASMR this week. Oh my god, these fucking! <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all listening have ever had these like high chew candies, but like I don't even know how you describe like they're the consistency great. of what they are. But they're, they're like these, a chewier Starburst. Yes, yes, it's a really good way to describe it. But the only thing I can say about these is they're fucking delicious. They're, like, literally crack. And they're addicting. They are so addicting. I have a bowl of them because it's spooky season, so I've started decorating for Halloween. And I'm like, it's Halloween. Gotta have candy out. And mm. I was at Five Below trying to think what candy I was going to put in this bowl. And I came across these little bad boys, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. 
But now I'm regretting that decision because I literally, every single time I walk by like this dining room table, I fucking like pluck two out of the bowl. <laughs> I got here and immediately started eating them. Literally, they're mm-hmm. so good. Like, I'm going to have to go to Five Below after this. Honestly, dude, I, let's fucking go and I'm going to get some more. <laughs> <laughs> I think they close at 10. Fuck! <laughs> what so time is it? It's 7.30. 730. We got time. So we we got time. It. We can make it. We'll just have to get into this. Okay. Yes. We're getting in. So, um, trigger warnings for this case. Um... Trigger warning for sexual assault, rape, torture, sexual sadism, murder, and general violence against women. So, mm, this is a doozy. Great. Just um, keep that in mind for any of you also listening. If any of this stuff is not something you want to sit and listen to, I don't know why you press play on this episode. But <laughs> just, you know, be be mindful of that. Because like I said, it starts low and it stays low. So, there is no, uh, there's no reprieve during any of this. <laughs> Oh, no. All right. So, as always, I'm going to start just getting into a little bit of background about Mr. David Parker Ray. Um, He was born November 6, 1939 in Belen, New Mexico. He was raised mostly by his grandfather. Um, He was pretty neglected as a kid. Like, his mom basically just bounced him around to any relative that would take him. And his father was, like, a raging alcoholic who was also, like, incredibly abusive as well. Um, So, for the most part, he was raised by his grandfather. He did have, like, somewhat of, like, a weird relationship with his dad. His dad would basically, like, show up and be like, Hi, son! And, like, see him for a day, do some weird shit, and then leave. Um, And his, his grandfather also was, like, not the greatest person in the world either. His grandfather was also abusive. He was, like, incredibly stern to the point where... Like, David Parker Ray could barely do anything without his grandfather, like, beating on him and getting mad about it. So, he did not have a good childhood. Like, I have heard in, like, other podcasts, like, we feel bad for, like, what these people went through as a child. But, like, in no way does it excuse what they turned into. But, like, you feel bad for it's, like... He never had a chance. He literally, like, this is probably one of, like, the greatest examples of damn he never had a chance that Mm -hmm. I've, like, ever seen. So I talked about how um, his grandfather was really stern. So instead of, like, trying to, like, go out and do anything, because he basically, he was just, like, living in, like, fear of the wrath that he was going to endure from his grandfather if he did, like, anything wrong. Um, So... He relied a lot on escaping into, like, these fantasy worlds that he had. He kept a lot of journals mm-hmm. where he would, you know, just write about things and put down his inner thoughts. And that was, like, his way of escaping this neglectful reality that he was he was living in. Um, his father, again, would, like, come around every so often. He was never really around for, like, more than a couple days. And I said, like, he would do um, some weird shit. <laughs> and by he would do some weird shit. Um, what I mean is he would, like, come and be like, hey, David, how's it going? Like, yada, yada. And then he would leave him with, um, a stack of magazines. Which, you know, it seems innocent enough until mm-hmm. you realize what these magazines were. They were not normal magazines. They were probably porn magazines. They were porn magazines. Mm-hmm. But they were not just, like, it wasn't like a fucking Playboy. It was, like... Some raunchy shit. Yeah, it was. They were all magazines based around, like, sadomasochism and, like, torture porn. Oh. So, it was, like, all women, images of women being bound, beaten, like, tied up, tortured in these. So, his dad was probably low-key serial killer, but never His dad had some shit going on with him, obviously. Like, who who the fuck just, 
here, son, and gives them stacks of fucking torture porn magazines. And this started from the time that, like, David Parker was, like, really young. He was, like, still... So his entirety of his formative years, this is the content that he's consuming. It is completely warping the way that he views women and sexual pleasure. Because this is the only thing he... Like, he wasn't going out. Like, his grandfather wasn't teaching him about any of this shit. Like... Nobody fucking wanted him in the first place. Like, his mom didn't want him. His dad was like, hi, bye. His grandfather was like, I don't fucking want you here either, but I guess I'm stuck with you. So he had literally nobody, no singular good influence in his life when he was a child. And all of the adult influences that he was getting were these people who were also fucked up themselves. So combining these magazines he was getting from his father with that tendency he had to like delve in and get lost in his own fantasy worlds Mm -hmm. those became like very heavily intertwined and that is where this obsession and i called an obsession because it was an obsession with sadomasochism and sexual torture came from and again this shaped his whole idea of what sex was supposed to look like and his just full-on perception of women and what like a woman's quote unquote woman's purpose was basically. Um, he was actually uh, said to be like very shy when he was young and he was very shy, especially around women, but that didn't stop him from having these very like intense, just fantasies about straight up like raping, torturing, and at certain points, like even murdering oh women. Oh my god. Yeah, he was too shy to actually go up and talk to a woman, but, but in my head, you don't know what the fuck is going down. Right? I got some pictures going on up here, bitch. He's like, you don't know what I'm thinking about right now. It's like homeboy and fucking imagining himself eating people. Oh my god, yeah, you say cow. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So um David Parker Ray was just really having some crazy intense fantasies about raping, torturing, and murdering women. Um, when he was still pretty young, I think he was, like, pre-teenage, maybe, like, maybe, like, 12 or 13, um, his sister actually discovered some drawings that he had in his journals. And as we probably would expect, these drawings were depictions of women being tied up and sexually tortured. She also found erotic photographs of bondage acts. Um, and she was, like, what the fuck reasonably because she's she's older than him at this point i do believe um and so she's like literally what the fuck what the fuck because it wasn't just like like oh it's like a picture of like a woman like she's handcuffed no like it was like she's bound gagged clearly in distress like being tortured basically and she's stumbling upon these in her like preteen brother's room she's like um, so she goes and she tells their grandfather, but he's probably he like, doesn't mm-hmm. do shit about it. Like, I'm surprised he didn't go beat Dave Parker's ass for it, but, like, he just probably, at this point, like, a lot of what Dave Parker Ray, like, dealt with in his childhood, along with the abuse, was just, like, straight-up neglect. Yeah. Like, nobody cared about him, Aww. so his, his grandfather was probably like, eh, I don't give a fuck, like... I don't want him here anyways. I'm just purposefully ignoring him, right? Like, he's like, I don't fucking care about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he was basically able to continue to, like, nurse these fantasies. And he was never, like, nothing ever happened to him because he had them. So, in his mind, he's like, I'm not getting in trouble for it. So, 
guess that okay. means I'm going to keep going. Right. Fuck mm-hmm. it. I don't care. No one's telling me that I can't do this. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Fuck it. Yeah, right? Oh, God. Because uh, <laughs> I, like, I just know where this goes. <laughs> You're like, oh. And I'm no, like, really, he said fuck it. <sighs> he really said fuck it. Oh, good God. Um, so when Ray graduated high school, he went to work as an auto mechanic. So one of the things that is very true about David Parker Ray is he's very, he's very handy. He's very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very good with, like, tinkering around with things like making DIY tools and all this other stuff. Great. And, and so after he graduated high school, like I said, he found work as an auto mechanic. Um, he also joined the army. He worked as a mechanic in the army as well. He ended up being honorably discharged after however long his, his service in the army was. Mm -hmm. Um, he was married and divorced four different times (laughs) and he had two children. Great. One of his children was a son who was named David Jr. And then he also had a daughter who he was very close to. Her name was Glenda Jean Ray, but they called her Jessie. Jessie Ray. <laughs> the fuck? Where did you get Jessie I know. From? I don't know where the fuck you get Jessie out of Glenda Jean, but yeah, she was and will be in the future referred to as Jessie. So that's his, his daughter. Um, when he got out of the army, he got a job as a park ranger and mechanic at the Elephant Butte State Park in New Mexico. And Butte is spelled B-U-T-T-E, so I just want to keep saying but. Elephant Butt. But it's Butte. <laughs> <laughs> elephant Butt. Yeah, and this is a little, little town in New Mexico. He was known by his coworkers to actually be, like, very, like, chill and relaxed and charming he, Which they usually most uh, right, right. They usually always are. It's just something about these fucking psychopaths that they can completely differentiate. It's they have, they have to be. Yeah, because otherwise they're not going to be able to kill them. Right. It's like mask on, mask off, man. Yeah. So, um, I watched a documentary on this case, and a couple of his or one of his coworkers actually got like interviewed for the documentary, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like he was." He was really nice. He was always the first guy to, like, volunteer to help somebody out with uh-huh. a favor. Like, if you needed something fixed, yeah. like, he was always the go-to guy. So, yeah, he was very, very liked by his coworkers. Um, in fact, like, when he got arrested, his boss actually, like, put him on a paid leave because his boss just, like, could not believe that he was he capable it, yeah. of doing, like, what he was being accused of doing. Like, they had no fucking idea that he was just, like, a straight-up, like, at this point, like, a full-on, like, sexual sadist. Um, If you don't know, like, what the definition of a sexual sadist is, I did put it in here. It's someone who is unable to achieve sexual satisfaction unless they're causing immense pain and suffering to their partner. So, at this point, it's not just, like, about BDSM, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with practicing BDSM if the two parties or however many parties are doing mm. it in a safe, sane, consensual way. <laughs> however many parties. Hey, I mean, sometimes it's more than one. Um, but that is not what David Parker Ray wanted. Mm-hmm. He did not want a willing partner. He wanted the control. Yeah, exactly. He also, apparently, um, when he was older, he, like, he contacted somebody at, like, Viagra's customer service I think this was in, like, their early 90s, um, and he had called them to ask if Viagra would help him, like, get an erection without having to hurt somebody. What the fuck? Could you imagine being, being the that person? person? The call? You're like, hi, like, my name is so-and-so. Thanks for calling by your customer support. How can I help you? And he's, because his voice is, 
you know, can you help me get hard without hurting somebody? Like, I'd be like, um, click. <laughs> I'd be like, can I hang up? <laughs> I'd be like, hello, 911. Like, yeah, um, let me, let me, you know, get you connected with somebody you fucking dial 911. Like, hello, is this 911? Is this 911? Um, there's a crazy man on my back line and he's asking if Viagra can get his dick hard without him having to hurt people. Hey, um, you might want to go check this out. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I don't even know what the fuck I would do if I answered that call. So, um, yeah, so Ray is, like, these toy box crimes, I guess, that he was most well-known for, the ones that he ends up getting arrested and prosecuted for, um, he did not do this on his own. He had an accomplice. Of course he did. And his accomplice was his girlfriend. What? Yup. Yup. And her name was Cindy Hendy. (laughs) Country fucking fucks. Oh my god. Cindy Hendy. (laughs) Oh my god. Why is it always the country fucks? They probably live in the fucking boondocks. I know. Dude, they did. They do. Like, Elephant Butte is this teeny, like, fucking little, like. They probably eat fucking. Bugs for dinner. Like <laughs> these people probably did because they're fucking nasty as hell. Her actual name was Cynthia, but she did go by Cindy, and her last name is Hendy. H e n d y. Cindy Hendy. Cindy Hendy and good old fucking David. Cindy Hendy and David Parnaray. Like, uh, that's, that's some not fucking, the most fucking country bullshit. Literally, those are probably the two most redneck. They names probably I've sat ever on their, their fucking life. porch and played the fucking banjo. <laughs> Like, like, I swear to God, that's probably their fucking, they're probably playing the banjo trying to get the alligators to come lick their toes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. They're trying to call the fucking scorpions. (laughs) (laughs) They're fucking rattlesnakes. Right? They're they're snake charming with their fucking banjos. And the snake's just like, they're a little like washboards that people play. They come out of the the fucking wicker basket. You have three wishes. <laughs> the snake's a genie now. Yes. <laughs> just, the, their banjo music just fucking turns into like, the snake's like, meow, and meow, they probably meow, talk meow. like, oh god, they probably don't have any teeth. <laughs> yeah, they're neither neither Cindy Hendy or David Parker Ray. They're fucking both gross as hell. Like, <laughs> not just because it was just in general. Like, they just they look like they like stink. <laughs> They look greasy as fuck. Oh, God. Uh, they probably didn't flush the toilet either. Dude, I don't even know if they, like, had a real toilet. They are probably shitting in a fucking hole in the backyard, oh, dude. Their fucking fridge is probably brown. Dude, honestly, I saw pictures of their house. Nasty. Fucking mm, gross. It's, 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 exa- it's, you're picturing it right now, and it's exactly what you're picturing. Oh, God. It's 110% exactly what you're picturing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Cindy Hendy. Let's get into a little bit about Miss Cindy Hendy. Let's so her three teeth. <laughs> fucking teeth in her stringy ass straw colored hair um Ew. so she was born cynthia oh. lee hendy and i couldn't find her exact date of birth i could just find the year she was born in 1960 so she was significantly younger than david parker ray when they met he was born in 1939 um oh wow like david parker ray cindy hendy also had a very troubled childhood of course yeah she it always did. is there's always a troubled childhood in these stories she was raised in a very poor neighborhood. She was raised on the outskirts of the city of Everett, Washington. Her mother was a bartender who was also an alcoholic, and she often just, like, let her kids go hungry. Like, she didn't give a fuck about feeding her kids at all. Crazy. Um, 
long as she wasn't hungry, right? Right, literally. As long as she was in the house and she was eating, she would, like, lock the kids out of the house. Um, One of the articles I was reading, there was a quote from one of Cindy Hendy's childhood friends, and she recalled, quote, she would never give the kids a dime. All of us were hungry. We'd be lucky to get a can of tuna fish out of her. We'd go over after school, and Cindy would have to beg like hell to her mother through a can of tuna fish just to get rid of us. So, like, Cindy Hendy, like, as a child basically just fucking, like, lived off cans of tuna fish because that's all her mother was willing to feed her. Great. Yeah. Well, she went to her bar job and just got fucking wasted all the time. I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, as a child, Cindy Hendy also saw her mother get into a really abusive relationship. In the article, they said the boyfriend's name was Dick, and I don't know what it, that was, like, his actual name. Was he just name. being a dick? Right. I'm like, because that's a really, um... Unfortunate. <laughs> right? What a coincidence that he's an abusive piece of shit and his name is Dick. Um, Hendy's mom didn't stay with him for very long, I don't think, but she did eventually get married to another man when Cindy was eight. And Cindy was around 11 years old when her stepfather began molesting her. Um, there was this one night where he had crawled into her bed and attempted to rape her. And Cindy, like, went to her mom immediately, like, just hoping that her mom was going to help her. But, you know, if we ever, we learned anything about Cindy's mom at this point. She's already a piece of shit, so why would she care? So her mom took her new husband's side on it because he said that he was like, oh, I was drunk. He's like, I thought it was getting in bed with you, honey, which I don't know how you fucking mistake an 11-year-old child for your grown-ass wife. But, yeah, so he lied. She took his side, and she actually ended up kicking Cindy out of the house when Cindy was 12. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, what and the that, fuck? And that's why she's fucking Cindy Handy. Cindy Handy. Yeah. So Cindy at this point, she's 12 years old. She is completely on her own, so she turns down the direction you would expect. She starts getting in with a bad crowd. She's... she's dating drug dealers, she's um, doing sex work, and she ends up developing her own addiction to both alcohol and cocaine. Mm -hmm. She, a lot of, like, it's very, very similar to David Parker Ray's upbringing as, like, how she starts to, like, develop these, like, fantasies about, like, very rough, very violent sex. And a lot of, like, what she wanted to do also included, like, full-on rape fantasies. Um, a former boyfriend of hers in one of the articles. Wait, wait, wait. Like, she wanted to be raped? Like, I don't know. I think she had fantasies of, like, raping somebody else. So, again, very similar to David Parker Ray. So, this is like a fucking match made in hell. Um, (laughs) Match made in fucking Satan's butt crack. (laughs) Right up Satan's butt crack. He literally just shit those two people out. He honestly did. Like, I, like... You know, fuck, dude. Like, they literally crawled out of the deepest fucking circle of hell. Yeah. They're fucking... They're both ugh. absolutely disgusting fucking excuses for human beings. Um, but as I was saying, one of Cindy's former boyfriends, he recalled that there was one time that she suggested that they should, like, kidnap and rape a sex worker. And he was like, um... No. No? <laughs> But yeah, show. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I was like, um, I'm gonna, yo, do you hear on the phone ringing? I'm a, I'm gonna have a head Mom? out. Mom, Mom, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's fucking all over the place. She's addicted to drugs. She's a fucking alcoholic. She ends up having three different children with three different men. And like her own mom, she really struggled to raise her children. 
So by the time her eldest kid was 10, she had just dumped them all off with their so different grandparents because she had mm. three kids by three different men. Mm. She's like, mm, I don't want these kids anymore. And she drops them off to their grandparents and she just fucking dips. So in 1977, she actually got caught up in some like legal trouble because she got caught with like a lot of fucking drugs on her. Okay. So she fleed. She fled Washington. And this is when she moved to that town of truth or consequences <laughs> in New Mexico. <laughs> Yay. And this is where she would soon cross paths with Mr. David Parker Ray. You get that bug. What is she eating? A bug. Oh, don't do that. You're going to get sick. She's looking at it. She said, where did it go? Did she get it? I don't know. Is it in your mouth? Is it in your, stuck in your pot? In your mouth, honey? She's not, she's not very smart. Oh, 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 get, oh, it, oh. get it, get it, get it. Did you get it? She don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she was chasing um, a moth last night. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. She chases bugs. Again, we are distracted by the cat. <laughs> <laughs> we just need a room that A has like its own air conditioner because I'm fucking sweating. And B, we can close the door so the cats can <laughs> She's like bugs. Bugs. Yeah, she really likes chasing bugs. It's like her favorite pastime. I think it's on her nose. It's on her nose. She said, What? Where? It's on her nose. Can you see it? It's literally. Oh no. Oh. oh she just licked it. <laughs> <laughs> was that good? That was yummy. Oh my god. She, she said, What just happened? She's like, Blam. Ate the bug. It's like how Bubby has like. She's looking at the floor. Like, where did it go? You ate it, honey. It's in your mouth. She, she doesn't know. She doesn't know any better. No. She did not know. She also has half a brain cell. Yeah, I think all of my cats collectively share one brain cell, and so the other two, like they each only have it like one third of the time. Mm-hmm. I think so, Ralph might have it at this time. Yeah, Ralph's definitely got it most of the time because mm-hmm. like Bird and Carter love them, but they're stupid. They are dumb as hell. They're stupid. And Ralph is, like, the stupidest smart cat I've ever met. Like, he mm-hmm. is, like, smart in a stupid way, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, I totally get it, because that's Ralph. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, you smart motherfucker, but what the fuck? Right? <laughs> Literally, what the fuck? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Cindy Henny moves to Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. She ends up getting a job at Elephant Butte State Park, which is where David Parker Ray works. So that's how they, that's how they met. Um, they very soon came to find out that they both shared the same types of violent sexual fantasies, which I don't know how the fuck that even comes up in casual conversation with a coworker. Like, what? Was that what people be talking about at work with their coworkers? I'm going to have to say it's not what I talk about at work. Yeah, no, I, I can't <laughs> think of a single, a single occasion where I would ever even broach the topic of like sex with a coworker. I feel, that's an HR violation right there. Mm. Uh, I can't feel I'm comfortable enough with any of my coworkers. No, there's no, no. I mean, there's like one person I work with, but at this point, like she and I are just like friends. <laughs> so like maybe like if we go out, we like shoot the shit, we talk about that stuff together. But I feel but, like, like I really only talk. There's with, a there's like a line. with people I'm really 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 close with. Yeah, and it's not like 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 they weren't just like talking about it. They were like going like full force. Like oh it was God. weird. Um, so like this is what they bonded over basically. Um, there was this bar, it was called the Blue Water Saloon, where they would hang out together a lot, and they would basically just meet up together, get a couple drinks, and just talk about how they, like, fantasized about raping and torturing women. So, Ray, he was, as I how said- How did she, they find this group? How what? How did they find this group of people? What, do you, what group of people? The group of people you just said. 
Where they just meet up and talk about... Oh, no, it, it was just it was just David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy would go oh, to the oh, Blue oh, Water oh, So oh. Like, they would go to that bar. And, and this is pre-them together. This, yes, this is pre-them together. <laughs> so they would basically just go to the bar and they would talk about their fantasies. And he, obviously, he was very... He was significantly older than her, I think, like, 21 years. Yeah, she was born in yeah. 1960. He was born in 1939. Mm-hmm. But she didn't care. She is like, oh my god, I finally found somebody who wants to do all the weird shit that I want to do. She's like, oh my god, I'm not alone. Yeah. So, like, they they actually start dating, like, pretty soon after this. And she... And she's like, mmm, an older man. Right? I know, god. Ew. Um, And she very soon after moving to New Mexico, she moves in with him. So they're now living together in David Parker Ray's nasty little fucking trailer house in Elephant Butte. Um, when Cindy Henney moved in, that's when David Parker Ray, like, he's not being shy about these fantasies that he had, but what she doesn't know is he's got, there's more layers to him. Um, he starts telling her that he has not just fantasized about these things, but for the last 40 years or so, he has been actively kidnapping, raping, and murdering women. He, he told her that. He told her that. She says that he told her that he would kidnap, rape, maybe murder, maybe not, at least one woman a year, and he'd done it and been doing it for about the past 40 years at this point. Um, How fuck it, old was he at this he point? He was, so this is, she moves to New Mexico in 1997. He was born in 1939. Oh, okay. He started when he was, like, in his late teens. Okay. So, um... Ew. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if this is true, if he was sticking to this at least, that's at least one woman Mm. a year, so he might have gotten more, he would have possibly kidnapped, tortured, and raped between 40 40 to 60 women over the span of the time before he even met Cindy Hendy. Great. Um, this is actually, remember how we talked about how he kept journals? Mm Mm-hmm. So he carried that with him into his adult life. So he might have been journaling the people, the women that he was doing that to. That's exactly what he was doing. He kept incredibly meticulous journals and records. These journals included dates. They included times. They included locations where he'd kidnapped these women, as well as like sickeningly detailed descriptions of what he did to them. <laughs> Sounds like we are psycho with a bit of OCD. He, like, dude, he's literally just. I don't... He's not human. He's fucking gross. Um, In these journals, he would also write whether he let the victim go or whether he killed them. But the one thing he never wrote down was the location of any bodies. So he would write clearly that he murdered this person, Mm -hmm. but where's her body? He -hmm. didn't put that down. That was, like, the one thing he knew. He's like, if... I don't think he ever had the intention of getting caught... But he was very meticulous with the information he would keep mm-hmm. because he knew if he did get caught. Here's, I did this, but you're never going to find him. Exactly. And he could be like, he could say some like, oh, like it's did just Did he fantasy. write down names too or no? He did. Okay. Yeah. So very, very meticulous records. Um, He actually lived next to, like this is New Mexico, mind you. So desert everywhere. He lived next to a huge expansive desert. He also had access to places in Elephant Butte State Park that the general public would not have access to. So these are places that were typically kept behind, like, lock and key that only he 
would have access to. <laughs> and if you leave a body out in the extremely harsh conditions of the desert, A, you're going to have weather chipping mm. away to animals. animals. So um, he had the desert. He had Elephant Butte State Park where he could possibly dump bodies. And he also lived next to, like, the largest man-made lake in, like, the country, I think. It's definitely, like, the largest um, body of water in New so Mexico So there's probably itself. bodies just wandering around in the oh, bottom of that. absolutely. There's 110% bodies in that lake. Like, there's no doubt that there's Ugh. bodies in that lake. He's um, ick. So David Parker Ray has just confessed that he's been murdering, kidnapping, torturing, raping, murdering women for the past 40 years. And instead of running for the fucking hills... Cindy's like, she's like, hmm, I want to join. She's like, you know what? I didn't necessarily believe him at first, but I was, I was really intrigued by it. Like, bitch, the fuck? I'm calling the cops. Literally. <coughs> Yo. Literally. Y'all gotta come get this man because he just told me he killed 40 women. Bruh, like, for and real. he has journals. So, and, like, come get him. Like, not only did he just say, like, I murdered, like, he got into, like, details. She recalled um, that he actually told her how exactly he would, like, dispose of bodies when he tossed them into the lake. Mm. Basically, he would, like, you know, cut them open, down the belly, scoop out their insides, and then he would fill them with, like, big, heavy cement weights. And he would wrap them up in this really heavy-duty wire. And then he would—he actually, he had a boat. Um, He would put them on the boat, and he would dump them in the lake. And it would sink because they're completely hollowed out and— stuffed with really heavy cement weights. He's like, you know, theoretically, if you ever got to dump a body in a lake, this is how you do it. And I was okay, like, you wow. fucking psychopath. Right? Um, um. <laughs> so, yeah, instead of being a reasonable human being and calling the fucking police on this man, um, Cindy Hendy soon begins helping him hunt and pick out his next victims. She's fucking Cindy Hendy, bitch. She's, Cindy Hendy, go fuck yourself. If either one of y'all are still fucking alive... <laughs> just clack two pens together threateningly <laughs> so y'all deserve to get stabbed in your fucking jugular like please like you really deserve it and city um, handy you're f- ew <laughs> <laughs> that's all i can say you're ew <laughs> like what the what the fuck yeah dude honestly like I don't know, man. Like, having fantasies about something is one thing, but, like, if somebody's like, yeah, I, like, straight up actually murder people, I'd be like, like, you know what? Mm. I mean, I've definitely, like, joked with you and texting you, like, yo, I'm about to go to prison because I'm about to murder this Oh, God, yeah, but I know, like, I would, he was, like, talking about this shit, like, matter of fact. There was, like, no What would you do if one day I texted you and I was like, yo, I killed somebody. I'd be like, send me a pic of the body and I'll believe you. <laughs> <laughs> or if I called you, I'd be like, yo, um, I might need your help. shit god damn it what did you do (laughs) fuck if i'm just mad super calm and i'm like um well we know the one person that you would actually legitimately murder well that one person can go straight to fucking hell yeah we're straight to she or he he or he (laughs) they this person can go fuck off to fucking hell they can suck my ass They can (laughs) suck my entire ass. Literally the worst human being I've ever run it. Yeah, that person fucking sucks. Yes. Um, Like, yes, these murderers suck, but that person is, like, the worst person that I actually know. Like, personally know. Yeah. Like, real IRL trash person that you know in your real life. Like, this person deserves to be in a trash bag. (laughs) (laughs) Just get in the fucking bag. Get in there and think, think about what you've done. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. 
Well, like this person we know in real life, Cindy Hendy was also fucking trash. And the first person that she helped David Parker Wright kidnap was actually a friend of hers. Mm. And this friend's name was Angela. Wait, Um, whoa, 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 whoa. This piece of shit bitch kidnapped one of her own fucking friends? Yeah. Yeah. Bitch, you deserve nothing. You probably eat dirt for breakfast. Like, (laughs) you nasty ass. You be eating dirt for breakfast. Now I really don't take back. Y'all probably sit on a fucking porch with a banjo calling your fucking rattlesnakes. (laughs) And eating scorpions for lunch. Like, you straight up raw munching scorpions. Ugh. Nasty. Yeah, so um, Cindy, Hendy, and Angela knew each other because um, they weren't like super good friends. They're honestly more like acquaintances. Friend is like a loosely used term here. Um, they knew each other because they had like partied together at like the same bars and same places a couple times. Um, but because Cindy Hendy knew Angela, she started to feel, a, like, a little bit more remorseful mm. after they had kidnapped mm. her. Huh. So she actually convinced Dave yeah. Parker Ray to let Angela go. Um, I mean, this was after a few days of them keeping her captive and fucking raping and sexually torturing her. And then she started to feel bad. She's like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe. After we've already done it. We've done a lot of shit to her, but, like, maybe, maybe we, we shouldn't just shouldn't her. kill her. Yeah, that's basically what it was. So, surprisingly, David Parker Ray did agree to let Angela go. So, my thing is, is how do you, how do you do this to 40 plus women and you let some of them go, but not one single person has come forward? You will find that out in part two, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I have answers for your burning questions in part two. Um, so, uh, again, David Parker Ray got convinced to let Angela go. They basically just popped her in their car and dropped her off on the side of the fucking highway. And they're like, promise you won't tell. She's like, okay, promise. Okay, promise. <laughs> Literally, 911, hello. Hello, 911. <laughs> yeah, so that's just a little bit about, um, like, David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy's early kind of starts to what they're going to be doing. So, we're going to take... <laughs> We're going to take a time jump. <laughs> Are you good? Choking my spit. Oh, God. Breathe. Take a breath. Take a breath. Because we're, we're jumping forward now. Take me a little sip of... A little sip of the wine. Wine. A little sip of the wine. Um, yeah. Fast forwarding now to... i me one of these high chews. Girl, don't eat all my shits. And we're going to get more after this. That's so very true. Fuck? That's very true. Um, anyways, we're trying to go to March 22nd, 1999. Um, this is when at 3.22 in the afternoon, a 911 operator in Sierra County, New Mexico, receives a frantic 911 call. It came from a residence that they could, like, geolocate to be in Sierra County, but the person who actually called 911 was not responding. All that the operator could make out was the sounds of, like, a scuffle happening in the background before the line went dead. Mm. So this 911 operator is like, the fuck? Mm. She thinks it's a little sus. Mm -hmm. So she makes a move and she's like, you know what? I'm going to call this number back. So she calls the number back and a woman picks up the phone. Um, This woman, when she answered, clearly annoyed. The operator could tell by the tone of her voice. She's like, why the fuck are you calling me? Mm. Um, She's clearly annoyed. She was out of breath, strangely. And she told the dispatcher that she had accidentally just dialed 911 and that, like, everything was fine. You know, you don't need to send anybody out. Mm-hmm. My bad. It was an accident. Um, the dispatcher's like, nah. Mm-mm. Good for her. Yeah. Good this for dispatcher this was dispatcher. on her shit this day. Like, props to her because mm-hmm. she knew what the fuck she was doing. 
So she still calls the police and she's like, yeah, I'm going to need you guys to go out to this address. It's like, do a welfare check, make sure everything's good, because this seems a little a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So the deputy who gets dispatched, his name was David Olston. So he is the one that gets sent out to do the welfare check at this address for where the 911 call came from. Mm-hmm. Um, two park rangers from the Elephant Butte State Park, they also had a ple- like a police scanner, because um, these rangers would often assist with the police work in Elephant Butte, because Elephant Butte, mind you, it's a very small town, so they don't have a very large police force. So if there was any, you know, like, minor things that they needed help with, like, they would occasionally bring in the park rangers to just assist them with anything that they might need to do. So these two park rangers, they hear, like, the dispatch over the police radio, and they're in the area, so they're like, you know what, like, let's go, we can just provide some backup for the police in case, like, something really wild is going on here. So... Not long after this first 911 call comes in, um, more start coming in, like back to back to back to back. And all these calls are reporting that there is a woman who is just frantically trying to stop traffic just on like a random street in Elephant Butte. They said this woman was completely naked and around her neck was an iron collar in like this big heavy metal chain. Oh, no. So she's completely naked with just an iron collar and a chain on her. Um, on their way to, so these two park rangers, right, they are, they're making their way to this house because they're going to go help the police officer with the welfare check. Mm. And as they're going there, they actually get flagged down by a random woman. Like, she sees them go by. She's like, hey, hey, like, and she tells them, too, she's like, I just saw a naked woman running down the street with a fucking iron collar and a chain around her neck and she's covered in blood. Oh, God. And so the two park rangers are like, um, yikes. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's like, I don't know where this woman went. Like, I just saw her. Like, can you please fucking check up on that? Mm-hmm. Um, so the two park rangers, they actually continue to head over to that address where the welfare check is supposed to be. And that address is 513 um, Bass Road. And this is the home of David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy. <laughs> so, like, this uh, this house was exactly what you pictured it as. It was a trailer. Mm-hmm. It was behind, like, this big, like, fucking rusty, dinky metal chain link fence. There was mm-hmm. a beware of dogs sign mm-hmm. on there. Um, the house was fucking disgusting. Probably. It was it probably, dirty. It probably, like, shit on the floor. It was ramshackle. There was trash just strewn all over the outside. Um, How do people live like that? Gross ass people live like that. <laughs> gross ass people live in like, gross ass houses. I can't even imagine like just living in trash. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to like, have straight up like squalor. Like, like it's one thing to have just like a couple things that you need to throw out, but like you're gonna throw yeah, them out within like the next. Like I might keep like like a cup that needs to be washed on the coffee table for a little bit longer than it should be there. Right, but like but it's, it's an- one cup. It's another thing to live like. With literal filth yes. and grime and garbage just surrounding you. It was literal squalor. It was absolutely fucking disgusting in this house. Ugh. So uh, the two park rangers, like I said, they get there first. So at this point, the police haven't shown up yet. So they get there. They knock on the door. Nobody answers. And they're like, all right, like, let's just chill here. We can wait for the police to get here. So soon after the park rangers knock on the door, nobody answers. That's when Deputy Olston shows up. Um, the two rangers let him know, like, we knocked, nobody answered, um, which Olsten found weird because they had been able to triangulate the 911 call to the point that they know that it came from inside the residence, and it was, like, just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, whoever was here, if they're not here, they fucking booked it because mm-hmm. this call came in, like, 
10, 15 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sierra County Sheriff also arrived on scene very soon after. Because now they're like, yo, like, some shit's going on. Like, we're getting this weird 911 call. Now we're getting reports of this naked woman running down the street. Like, something is going on. And they have, like, you know, that gut feeling that you get where, like, these are two really strange things that are Mm -hmm. happening at the same time. Like, there's got to be something going on Mm -hmm. here. So the sheriff's like, you know what? I'm going to get in on this. I'm going to come check it out. So after the sheriff gets there, they all go and they just look around the perimeter of the home to see if they can find anything, you know, other than loads of fucking trash they don't find anything during the search of the perimeter so they decide that they're gonna enter the home because like when you do a welfare check mm-hmm. if the police knock and you don't answer they're able to enter your home mm-hmm. so they're like we gotta finish this welfare check nobody answered the knock so we're gonna go inside mm-hmm. and what they find <laughs> in this house will blow your fucking mind oh god so at first like what they see is just kind of strange. It's not, like, it's weird, but it's not alerting them to, like, any huge major red flags. Um, the things they find, they see that all of the windows on the inside are covered with, like, big, heavy, like, blackout curtains. Um, the <laughs> living room. Why. I wonder why, literally. Um, the living room, just like the outside, it was filthy. It was covered in trash. It was all over the floor. And one of the, like, more strange things was there was just, like, a bed in the corner of the living room. Um, around this bed, like, there was broken glass on the floor. And the thing, like, that really kind of, like, alerts them is, A, there's broken glass. There's a broken lamp. The mattress itself is heavily stained with blood. And there is a bloody ice pick on the floor next to it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, mm, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then they get a little closer. They start really looking at this mattress because they're like, mm, that's blood. Mm-hmm. And the more they look at it, the more they start noticing, like, other just generally really strange things about this house. Mm-hmm. So on each of the corners of the bed, there are shackles. She probably, I was about to say, she probably fucking chained to the bed. Yeah, there's shackles and padlocks. So if a person theoretically were to be put into the shackles, it would be, like, on their front, on their back. Yeah, totally spread eagle, mm-hmm. arms and legs out. Um, There was also this, like, weird like chain and pulley contraption. Oh god. On the ceiling oh, above god. the bed. So <laughs> don't you do it. Sidebar. Hi Carter. <laughs> we need some. <laughs> He's like, I don't wanna where is he? Oh hi buddy. He says I walk under like, the table. I know. Hi Chew Break. We need yeah, we need um mm, I'll try and break one. I haven't tried We're gonna need a, I need a little I need just a minor like sidebar break to pet my cat because this shit just keeps getting worse as we go in. So I I should I don't know why the fuck I chose. What did I say? Oh, I remember I gave you two choices. I said toolbox or toy box. Fuck! I always pick the worst one first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking tell me about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but anyways, so above the bed on the ceiling is this pulley contraption where there were just like chains and hooks dangling from this contraption in the ceiling. On the wall next to the bed, there was, like, literally just leaning up against the wall was, like, a straight-up, it looked like a coffin, and it was, you know, essentially human-sized. So. So, probably, like, punishment? Yeah. And in, like, they open the box, right, and they see there's also restraints and shackles in the box. Um, On one of the walls, there was a, like, big cork board. Mm -hmm. And on this cork board, 
they found just a whole bunch of additional basically like torture devices. <laughs> just things that were like pinned to the fucking cork board. They're like, we're pieces of shit. Right. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's hang this shit up here. Let's hang this fucking handcuffs. Let's hang this fucking whip. Let's hang these fucking chains on our cork board. Um, and they said that like a lot of like the torture equipment actually looked to be like homemade. And if you remember, Mr. David Parker Ray is a handy little guy. He likes to tinker around and make things. Hmm, Somebody should tinker around and make him dead. Dead. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they, all this stuff, mind you, was in the living room when they first walk in. Mm -hmm. So they're like, wowee, what the fuck did we just stumble upon? I'm imagining his kids are with their mothers. Um, They're older at this point. His Mm -hmm. kids are grown. Okay. Um... So, the police continue to go through the house. They go into one of the bedrooms. <laughs> Cats are wrestling. <laughs> I love watching Bubby wrestle because he's the laziest fighter in the world. He just lays on his back. He said, I'm going to kick you in the head. I'm going to kick you in the head. Get your bunny feet going, bud. They both are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, who can kick Carter? <laughs> and then, like, Carter's so round when he gets, like... Carter getting caught on his back reminds me of, like, when a turtle gets caught on their back because he really, like, he struggles to get out. Ralph just released. Literally. Ralph's like, come here, fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, cat sidebar. Um, so, yeah, they continue going through the house, and they pop into one of the first bedrooms they see. And, again, in their, in this bedroom, like, there's more, like, hooks and chains hanging from the ceiling. There's also just, like... You know, like, back in the day, like, when you were a teenager, how some, like, I know I did this. I don't know if you did this, actually, but. In um, my brain, I'm like, I really hope she doesn't say some fucking weird shit. No, because you remember you would get, like, like the teen magazines and, like, rip out, like, the poster, yeah. the one you had a crush on. You would fucking pin it to your wall. I'm like, oh, my God, like, like it has fame. Um, <laughs> Do you remember the ones that actually came with, like, a, a legit poster? In the yeah, I would go to the store and I would steal the middle section yeah. of the posters yeah. out of It'd the magazines. Like Justin Bieber. Yes, like. yes, dude. I remember I have this big one of like Jesse McCartney, like back uh, like early two thousands. Jesse McCartney was like, blah, blah, blah. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that poster was like right above my head. I was like, I love you, Jesse McCartney. Um, also, remember those glow in the dark stars? Yes, I love those. I want some. Like, can we bring those back? <laughs> I love you could those. probably get some on Amazon. Honestly, oh, you can find anything on Amazon. I looked that up while I keep telling you about what the fuck they found in this house. So the reason I brought up like the how you would take like posters and yeah. pin them up. Um, David Parker Ray did the same thing, but with the um, oh, pictures bitch. from... Nine bucks. Oh, hell yeah. We're getting look those. At, look at how many it comes with. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, there's blue ones. Oh my god, that's amazing. And pink. We need I those. don't really like pink. No, dude, like blue and like straight up like green would be fucking like, sick. Look at that. What do you think Lucas's reaction would be if he just came home and I had those all over our ceiling? He'd probably <laughs> just shake his head because I feel like at this point he's just used to it. I honestly feel like he would vibe with it though. Ooh, um, look at these cups. But anyways... Those are cute. Um, so the reason I brought up the ripping the pages out of the magazines and like putting posters on your wall was because um, David Parker Ray, he was doing the same thing, only he was pulling the pictures out of those torture porn magazines. Oh. So all posted up on this wall, these walls in the bedrooms are just pictures, photos, magazine pages, hardcore pornography just depicting women just being sexually tortured. Just, like, fucking wall decor in there. Like, that's what he hung on his walls. Um, there was also a dresser in this room. And on top of the dresser, there was, like, a fuck ton of, like, I'm going to say some of the things that were on this dresser. And you're probably going to go, <gasps> So, on top of the dresser, there were a multitude of things, mm-hmm. um, including pliers, clips, clamps, muzzles, 
and various sex toys. Just hanging on his dresser. Great. Um, so the police are like, you know what? This is kind of strange. But at this point, they're like, maybe these people are just like weirdly kinky. With blood. I mean, they don't know the fuck these people get. At this point, they have no reason to believe that like anything like nefarious even, happened. They might even, think that this is a kinky as fuck little couple that they're just, you know. Even though there was a naked lady covered in blood with mm. a chain thing wrapped around her neck. Maybe. Maybe. Who Y'all knows? are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, this was not just a little fun little kinky living situation between David mm. Parker Ray and Cindy Hattie. There was way, way more you know what to it do is? with Them this. Eating fucking scorpions fuck their brain up. I <laughs> <laughs> you know all the fucking scorpion bits. So as the police are searching the home, another 911 call comes in. So Oh <laughs> my cats, god. They're really they, they be they be wrestling. So like I said, as the home was being searched, another 911 call comes in. This time the woman on the line on the call, she says that she's calling 911 because she has a woman in her house. Who is saying she's just been raped and this woman is naked covered in blood with an iron collar and a chain around her neck oh god so in the 911 call um this woman is saying that this woman in her house like she's telling her that she'd been ca- held captive like she was kidnapped she was held captive for three days and she mm-hmm. managed to escape and um they send another siri siri sierra county deputy mm-hmm. out to respond to now this 911 call so, as he's, like, he's going to the location, as he arrives, there's, like, an elderly man who's standing at the end of his drive, and he, like, waves him down. He's, like, y'all here? Like, we're the ones who called you. Um, this man's name was Donald. And Aw, little Donald. I know, Donald. He told the deputy that the naked woman had basically just, like, barged into their house, and she just, like, was begging them for help. Mm. Um, it was Donald's wife, Darlene, who had called 911. Mm. And the woman inside the couple's home was then 22-year-old Cynthia V. Hill. So um, while Donald and Deputy, like, say they're kind of like standing outside talking at this point. They haven't gone inside the house yet. Um, as they were talking, Cynthia actually like ran out of the front door and she was given like a pink robe to wear to cover herself with. Darlene had given her the robe. And she... Good old Darlene. Like, I know. I know this. Like, I know we always, like, talk about, we're like, fuck the elderly mm-hmm. people who don't stop. Like, this is one instance, like, mm-hmm. where they, like, were helpful to somebody. or like, mm-hmm. really kind to her. Um, so as Cynthia is running up to the deputy, like, he can clearly see that, like, she's gone through some shit. Like, mm-hmm. she's obviously she's covered in blood. She's got, like, cuts, bruises, scrapes all over her. Um, the iron collar that was around her neck was actually closed with, like, this big, big hefty padlock. Mm-hmm. And the chain that she was carrying behind was, like, five feet long. So it was, like, a significant amount of chain that she was dragging Honestly, behind her. Honestly, Cynthia's a bad bitch for getting away. Dude, wait till you hear how she got away. Like, that's okay. the best part of her, like, her story is just how she got away. It's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty hardcore. She's a bad bitch. Um, <laughs> is Cynthia still alive? Cynthia, yes. She is. She is. And she's doing some great things, which we'll talk about briefly in part two. Great. Um, so... Cynthia runs up to the officer, and the first thing she says to them, like, is, please don't let them get me. She's fucking terrified. I would be, too. What the fuck? And so, the officer's basically like... I just scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> we are talking about spooky things. We're talking about spooky things, and you're just interrupting the spookiness. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was just trying to add to the spookiness. Just add to the atmosphere. I don't think it's necessarily spooky. This shit is just gross yeah. so far. It's very um, murdery. Yeah, it's very, very murder. But, classic. you know, what do you expect? Pretty classic. 
Um, anyways. Guess so, our Lucas. Guess our Lucas. <laughs> One day I'll get him on this podcast. <laughs> for real. Um, so immediately the deputy is like, what happened to you? Like, do you, can you give us any information? Yada, yada. She's like, I don't know the address where I was taken. All I know is that the people who kidnapped me, their names were Dave and Cindy. And she fucking red points fucks. to the officer, like his uniform. And she says, he's one of you. And the officer's like, what? Um, <laughs> so... Yeah. Now. Wait, so was he really a papa? We'll see. He, no, he was no. pretending. He was a park ranger. The thing mm-hmm. about um the uniforms for the Elf and Butte State Park, they were very, very similar to the Sierra County police. Police, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. Like, you probably wouldn't mistake them for the same thing, like, mm-hmm. if you didn't, like, were no. looking at them directly mm-hmm. together. Yeah, so she thinks that he's a police officer, which is why she says he's one of you, because mm-hmm. he she thinks he's a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um... I want to go in now and talk a little bit about what exactly happened to Cynthia prior to us meeting her at her escape. So at the time of her abduction, Cynthia was working as a sex worker in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was March 19th, 1999 was the day that she encountered David Parker Ray. Um, She had been basically told by like her pimp pretty much. (laughs) She's like, they're like, hey, we've got this guy. He's looking to, like, book your services for the day. Mm-hmm. So she meets Ray, and he's like, yeah, like, I just want to, you know, enjoy your services for a couple hours. Um, He takes her to an RV. And one of, like, Cynthia's, like, core rules that she had to kind of try to keep herself safe in this profession um, was to not get into RVs. But... For some reason, she talks about this. She's like, I don't, I'll actually have a quote from her, so I won't really delve into it. But she broke her rule that mm-hmm. day. She got into David Parker Ray's RV. The second she gets into the RV and the door is closed behind her, David Parker Ray, like, turns on her. He flashes a badge at her. And he says, I'm a police officer and I'm arresting you for prostitution. So she says about this, um, quote, I don't know what was going through my head that day, but I broke all my rules right there. When we get to the back of the RV, he pulls out a badge and throws handcuffs on my wrist. I was like, wait, no, no, this isn't right. You ain't a cop. Mm-hmm. So immediately she's like, fuck, no, you're not a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, so she immediately tries to like, he's trying to handcuff her. So obviously she's like, fuck, no, you're not going to handcuff me. Right. Um, she tries to start to fight to get away. And she's startled because he calls out the name Cindy. And her name is Cynthia, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, how the fuck does he know my name? Because she gave him a different name. Um, But, like, what she doesn't know is that he's calling for Cindy Hendy, who is in the back of the RV. So Cynthia recalls, she says, quote, a girl came out from behind a curtain in there in the RV. She shocked me with a cattle prod. This bitch had a fucking cattle prod. (laughs) Of course she fucking So did. she, like, pops out from there. She's like, surprise! And fucking surprise, shocks her with a cattle prod. Literally. So, like, cattle prods obviously are meant to down, like, fucking 600-pound bulls, basically. So she gets hit with this cattle prod, and she, she goes down. Like, she, there's nothing she can do. She's not going to be able to fight that. So she gets dragged to the back of the RV, and they basically, like, handcuff her to, like, like around, like, a cabinet, basically. Um, so she's got one arm, one wrist in the handcuff. The other one is handcuffed around this cabinet. So obviously they can keep her in place. Um, after she's handcuffed, they leave her there. 
David Parker Ray goes up to the driver's seat. They start it. They get rolling. They start driving off. Um, as they're driving, like, Cynthia is not the kind of woman to just, like, let them be like, what was me? She starts immediately thinking, like, how the fuck am I going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. So what she notices is as she's, like, tugging at her handcuffs, there's, like, some screws in this cabinet that are coming loose. So she, Ooh, she starts pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling, and she's eventually able to unscrew the screws and slip her handcuff, like, off it. So she's like, well, I'm free out of that. So, so next thought. <laughs> next thought, right. So she she kind of, like, gets up. You know, she's kind of thinking about what her next move is going to be. But unexpectedly, the RV, like, stops very quickly quickly at a red light. She's like, Poof. Right, so she's not expecting it, so she falls. Mm-hmm. And the sound she makes, obviously, it makes a pretty significant sound. She just, like, ate shit because she mm-hmm. wasn't bracing herself for the RV to stop. Um, and they hear her. Clearly, they hear her. So, Cindy Henny comes back to investigate what the fuck is going on, and she immediately sees that Cynthia is loose. Um, she came back to the RV, like, to where Cindy was. She has a gun in her hand. Um, she says that, like, Cindy Henny was threatening her with the gun. Like, don't fucking move. Like, I'll shoot you, whatever. Mm-hmm. David Parker Ray pulls the RV over. He parks it. He comes into the back, and this is pretty much what she says is, like, one of the last things she remembers, like, before she blacked. Like, we don't know if, like, they hit her, if they fucking shocked her with the cattle prod again, but mm. she doesn't really remember anything further from her being found having escaped from the little cabinet that they had her handcuffed to. Mm. So, when she wakes up, she is being strapped down to that dirty mattress in the home of Cindy Hendy and David Parker Ray. And soon after being tied down, David Parker Ray presses play on a cassette tape player and probably the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life starts playing over this cassette tape. It's probably him talking. It is. It is. This tape was a 30 minute long recording that David Parker Ray, he had made this back in 1993. Mind you, it's 1999 at this point. And the reason he made this tape was basically as an introductory crash course to his victims to let them know what he was going to do to them. The opening of the tape, I have in quotes, the opening of this tape, I'm going to read it to you. The opening is, hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under their circumstances. For a little while at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. That's what she fucking, like, what wakes up to is this fucking tape. And she's being bound to a mattress. A dirty fucking mattress. And I had to be like, all right, so how am I going to kill this motherfucker? Literally, how am I going to straight up fucking murder you? So... She's got to lay here, listen to this fucking tape for 30 mm-hmm. minutes. And this tape, like, I have audio clips that I'm going to play for you in part two. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's like a re- like it's like a dramatization, so it's not the actual, like, tape of David, because I couldn't stand to listen to his fucking voice. He sounds like a smarmy little rat. I hate it. So, it's somebody else, because you can find the full transcript of, that's where I got this quote from, the full transcript of this tape is online. Mm-hmm. It's some of the most depraved shit I have ever, like, subjected myself to reading in my entire life it's a- 
absolutely fucking horrid. These people, I just, I, here's what I'm going to go, <laughs> it's like, go to the country. Like, I don't go to the country. <laughs> I'm never going to go to New Mexico. <laughs> I'm you sure New not, Mexico is lovely. But you're not going to catch me in the boondocks of anywhere. Oh, fuck no. Mm-mm. Nowhere. Mm-mm. Will Mm-mm. not catch me fucking dead. Nope. If it's heavily wooded, if I see a trash-ass mobile home, I'm, you won't catch me dead You ever see there. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You ever see a wrong turn? That's what happens when you go to the boonies. You get mm-hmm. murdered. If there's swamps around here, you're not going to catch... No. No, we know how. If y'all a bunch... If I hear banjos playing, no. <laughs> if I hear banjos, I'm out. <laughs> Someone plays Mumford and Sons <laughs> on the radio with their fucking... You're like, no! <laughs> you're like, I'm fucking out. I'm fucking out. So, yeah. Um, Cynthia goes through... In less, not so many words, some some fucking shit mm-hmm. while she is at being held captive in their fucking house. So she is pretty much all day, every day, she's strapped down to this mattress. Um, She would be continually shocked with the cattle prod. They would, both Hendy and Ray would rape her multiple times a day. She would also be hung from the chains hanging from that loop, that pulley system in the ceiling. Um, she would be sexually assaulted and tortured while she was hanging there. Um, at some points, like, this is horrific what they would do to her. They would take, um, they had, like, an old, like, battery, basically, like, car battery. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. and they would attach this car battery to Cynthia's skin with, like, clamps and just, like, live wires, and they would shock her over and over and over again for an extended period of life, to the point where she would pass out. She would pass out, she'd come back. She passed out because they were just mm-hmm. continually for like hours at a time. They were do like there was a repeated cycle of this. She would pass out. They'd let her come back to her. They'd start it again because David Parker Ray, he does not want to do this to an unconscious victim. Mm-hmm. He wants to do this to somebody who's going to scream because that's what gets his fucking jollies off. So um, she went through like there was small periodic times where she wasn't being actively raped or tortured. And when they didn't feel like torturing her, when they didn't feel like raping her, they would keep her just tied to that mattress. And they would just, because mind you, it's like their living room is very small. So in the corner is this mattress, right? It's kind of like a sunken living room. So the mattress is in the sunken parts in the corner. And then up on like the higher level, there's the couch, there's TV, whatever. So they would keep Cynthia strapped to the bed and they would just sit there and watch fucking TV. And she was... Obviously kept completely naked this entire time because David mm-hmm. Parker Ray and Cindy Henry wanted easy access. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they would just fucking be casually chit chat and watching TV, and they got a fucking naked, bound and beaten woman just chilling on this mattress in their fucking living room. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's literally like and da- like David Parker Ray. He's very big, like not only on like physical torture, but he also really gets off on like playing mind games with people. Uh, of course he does. So like one of his big things, he'd be like, "You're never going to see your family again. I'm going to kill you. I've killed before. It's nothing for me to kill you." So this entire time, she's being physically tortured and mentally tortured. And she says, like, from the way that he talked to her, she was positive that she was not his first victim. It was Mm -hmm. too on the nose. It was too fucking meticulous. And on top of that, I mean, it's very clear that she's not his first victim because he's showing her pictures of other women (laughs) he had kidnapped and tortured. Right. And he's taking photos of her the entire time to add to his sick little fucking collection. Right. So he says, I've done this before. And she fucking believes him. Obviously, he's got the pictures to prove it. Mm-hmm. So, um, she, like, this is where, like, 
the fucking bad bitchery comes in. It's like throughout all of this, she keeps it so cool. She plays it so fucking smart. She really takes advantage of kind of like how cocky like David Parker Ray is. He doesn't think that he's ever going to be outsmarted by one of the women he's captured. Because mm. at this point, he's got 40 plus years of experience under his right. belt and not a single. He's never been arrested a single time for anything in connection to any of this. Um, but Cynthia, <laughs> that's him. He's loaf. Um, so, yeah, Cynthia, she plays it very, very smart. And what she does is she starts paying a lot of attention to her captors and to her surroundings. So every so often, like, they would move Cynthia mm-hmm. to a different room in the trailer. And when they were moving her, she was paying attention to her surroundings. She was mapping the quickest way that she could get the fuck out of that house mm-hmm. if she manages to get herself free. They would take her out of, like, the wrist and the ankle restraints, but they would keep the collar and the chain around her neck. Um, so she knows she's like, all right, if I'm going to have any chance of getting out of here. It's going to be when they move me. It's going to be either when they move me or if I can get access or figure out a way to get this fucking chain off of me. Mm. Um, so she gets her chance on March 22nd, 1999. So this is three full days after her her capture. So that morning, David Parker Ray, he leaves the house to get ready and go to work, which he's putting his uniform on in mm. front of her. So that's how she knows mm. that he's, she thinks he's a cop, obviously, because right, he flashed that badge at her in the RV and he's putting on this uniform that to her looks very similar to a police officer's uniform. So he's getting ready for work. He's just ready to go about his fucking day. Like he doesn't literally have a woman held captive in his house. Um, and before he leaves, he turns to Cynthia and he says, I have a surprise for you in the toy box later today. Oh, so great. up at this point, Cynthia had only ever heard like, Cindy Hendy and David Parker Ray like talking about the toy box but she had never been in there she didn't know exactly what it was she's like what the fuck is the toy box because at this point she's probably thinking like what the fuck else are they gonna do to me right and so she's like it's like fight or flight time in her head because she's like fuck if he's gonna get home and he's gonna take me into this fucking toy box so he leaves for work um in a little while after Ray left for work oh my god excuse me you guys I mean, crazy. <laughs> it's like, we think you guys need a little um, sidebar again, so we're just going to run through here. Um, so, yeah, a little bit after David Parker Ray left for work, um, Cindy, Hedy, Cindy Hendy gets a phone call. And the phone call is like, it didn't get, like, specifics. It, did, it was about, like, a possible business deal. I don't know what the fuck these people, like, I don't know what Cindy Hendy did for a fucking living. Um, but Cynthia says that, like, Cindy Hendy was really excited about this phone call. And so she takes it. And in, like, her excitement about getting this phone call, she makes two incredibly crucial mistakes that help Cynthia get away. First, she leaves the room. She leaves Cynthia alone. Mm-hmm. Second, she leaves the keys to Cynthia's padlock on the coffee table in the living room. So Cynthia's like, fuck, this is my chance. She's like, it's now or never. So what she does is she's able to kind of, like, she has enough like slack in her chains that she can like scoot herself down the mattress. She gets her foot hooked around the leg of the table and she pulls the table towards her close enough that she can grab the keys. So she's got the keys in her hands at this point and she's, she's trying to play it smart, right? She's like, if Cynthia or if Cindy comes back into the room and she sees that this table is moved, she's going to know that I fucking did something. So she's thinking if I move the coffee table back into place, 
maybe Cindy won't realize that she left the keys there. And then, like, at night or something while they're sleeping, I can unlock myself and get the fuck right. out. Um, but just as Cynthia is going to use her foot to push the table back into place, Cindy Henny walks back in the room. And she sees that the table's been moved. She basically catches Cynthia red-handed. And Cindy Hendy fucking loses it. She's furious that Cynthia would even, like, dare try to escape. So it turns into a scuffle, basically. So what happens is, like, Cindy Hendy lunges, try to get the keys away from Cindy. They're fighting. Um, Cindy Hendy grabs that lamp, right, that was shattered on the ground. She fucking busts it over Cynthia's head. And, like, this entire time, like, the article... Cindy busts Cynthia in the head. Yes. Cindy Hendy takes a lamp and knocks Cynthia over the head with it. Busts this fucking lamp over her head. This entire time, like, Cynthia, she talks about, she's like, I was, like, just so fucking riding, like, pure dry. I didn't even feel it. Mm. Um, so she, she's like, what the fuck? Like, what do I do? How do I get out of here? Um, she's looking around. She's looking around. She sees an ice pick on the floor. She stabs her. She, Cynthia, picks up the ice pick, and she fucking stabs Cindy Andy in the neck with it. Yes, bitch. Hell yeah. So she fucking stabs Cindy Andy in the neck. Cindy Hendy's like, wow! Like she just got stabbed mm. in the fucking neck. Mm. So in that moment that Cindy Hendy is like reeling from the fact that she just got stabbed in the fucking neck, mm. Cynthia takes the keys. She pops the padlock on the bottom of her chain. She jumps up off the fucking bed and she books it. Fuck yeah. She fucking sprints out the door. <laughs> I want you by. Yup. So she's gone. And I'm not looking she's back. She's gone. Um, so she runs straight out the fucking house. Um, she also, like, at this point, the, remember because said 911 call? Like, mm-hmm. during the scuffle, she grabbed a phone. She called 911. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the scuffle they hear in the background mm-hmm. was them fighting for these fucking keys. So, this was before she grabbed the ice pick. So, she grabs the phone, tries to call 911. Cindy Henny knocks the phone out of her hand, but then she grabs the ice pick. Boom! Stabs Cindy in the neck with it. When, she, when they call back, Cindy Henny's already she's, stabbed. Yeah, because you can tell she's, like, out of breath. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, God. <laughs> she's, like, I'm slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> Cynthia's out of the house by the time that the 911 operator calls Cindy Henny back. So, yeah, she's been stabbed. She's fucking bleeding. <laughs> um, so, Cynthia gets out of the house. She fucking books it. She is now running up the road. Where um, David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy's house is. She's trying to flag down cars. She's doing whatever she can. And eventually this is how she gets to Donald and Darlene's house. And she basically just like takes a chance. She runs up to the house. She fucking just busts through the door. Help and me. she's like, help me. And that's when Darlene calls 911. Um, ah! I was going to say the clip that I have is the 911 call from um, when Darlene called 911 for... Cynthia. So I just want to play that little 911 call so we can hear. And like Darlene's voice, she sounds like so cute. She sounds like such like a little old lady. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I can't. I hate trying to scrub to get to the time that I need. Okay. Is this close enough? <laughs> no, come on. I'm trying to get to two minutes and 54 seconds. And I keep getting like Okay, this is two minutes and 50 seconds. So I'm just gonna play this audio clip. This is like a recording of the 911 call from when Darlene called the police. Except for a metal dog collar attached to a six foot chain. Yes, I'm calling for a young lady to bring my dog. Da, 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 
cut off with some spooky music. But yeah, basically she's like, she's got a dog collar on. They said she's been she's been held for three days. And then obviously like that loops around to when, you know, the deputy gets flagged down, they come, they find Cynthia. Right. We've now made it full circle. <laughs> um so this is where David Parker Ray and Cindy Handy finally get fucking caught. So there's more park rangers now, like, kind of making their way to um, the residence where that initial 911 call had come from. And mind you, these Parker, these Parkers, <laughs> these park rangers, they know David Parker Ray. They work with him. Mm. So um, as this park ranger is driving to the residence where the call came from, he passes by David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy driving in their RV. Um when he arrived, like, to the scene, he was like, oh, shit, like, we're at Dave's house. And he puts, like, two and two together. He's like, oh, fuck. He's like, I saw them trying to flee. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so he immediately tells the police, he's like, yo, like, I literally just saw them on this street. Like, they're close. Like, we can get them. Mm-hmm. So they immediately, like, fucking scramble their police force. They fly down back the way that this ranger saw the RV going and they do end up catching up to the RV, and they're like, pull the fuck over, pull the fuck over. And they do convince David Parker Ray to pull the RV over. They surround the fucking RV, right? They're like, get the fuck out! <laughs> and fucking David Parker Ray and all this cocky, fucking nasty douchebag assholeness, he, like, saunters out of the RV. He goes, whoa. He goes, this isn't necessary. Like, bitch, there is a woman with a fucking... Iron collar around her neck. That yeah, five foot chain. Just, and your girl just, this girl just stabbed your fucking girlfriend. Literally. He goes, this isn't necessary. <laughs> so, obviously, he comes out of the vehicle. They arrest him immediately. They don't even give him, like, they don't even give a question of it. Cindy Hendy comes out next, and this bitch has got this giant bleeding gash, like, on her neck from where Cindy mm-hmm. fucking stabbed her. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets arrested too. They do take her to a hospital first so she can get treated. Um, David Parker Ray is actually taken to like a training facility in like Elephant Butte State Park. Because mm-hmm. I guess they had better facilities there than they did at the actual police station. So that's where they decided to Great. take him. Um, so they keep him there. And then a few hours later, the inquisitor from the state police, he comes obviously because they want to fucking talk to David Parker Ray, but the first thing he says is they're like, nobody fucking speak to him. We need to talk to Cynthia V. Hill. We mm-hmm. need to get her story first. So Cynthia, currently, she is at the hospital. She's being treated for her injuries. Um, She had been starved for the three days that she was held captive. She was covered in burns, scratches, puncture wounds, cuts, bruises everywhere. Mm-hmm. She's not in a good state. Um, a maintenance worker from the hospital actually had to cut the collar off of her with bolt cutters. Um, and in one of the sources I read, it said that, like, once the collar came off, like, she, like, caught it and she fucking chucked it (laughs) across the room. She's like, get this thing the fuck off me. Mm -hmm. And she was, like, panicking this entire time, but, like, once the collar came off, like, she immediately, like, noticeably calmed down. Mm -hmm. So it was probably, like, she had gotten away, but she still got this fucking collar around her neck. Literally, Mm -hmm. just get the fuck off me. And so once, you know, they get it off her, like, she immediately calms down. She's like, I am, like, finally free. I can mm. take a fucking breather. Like, I'm I'm safe. I'm mm. safe. Um, and that's actually, like, she kept chanting that to her. So she's like, I'm safe now. I'm safe now. I'm safe now. Um, but unbeknownst to her, there's not a lot of hospitals in this area. 
And they gotta take Cindy Hendy somewhere to treat that fucking gash on her neck. Mm-hmm. So they take Cindy Hendy to the same fucking hospital Mm-mm. where Cynthia V. Hill is. So they, like, the police escort actually, they walk Cindy Hendy right by, like, the little holding room where or Cynthia V. Hill is. Cynthia sees Cindy Hendy and starts to freak the fuck out. She's like, that's her. That's her. She goes, don't let her in here. She's back for me. Like, she. Mm-hmm. She thought she just got away from these people, and right. she's in the hospital. She's thinking she's safe, and the fucking person who did mm-hmm. this to her just right walks there. past her room, literally. So, um, Cindy had actually told the doctors that she got hit and had with the lamp. <laughs> um, so, they treat her wound, they stitch it, whatever. And as she's released back into police custody, they again take her past Cynthia's room. This is, like, when Cindy turns her head she looks directly at Cynthia. She points at her and she says, that girl should be checked because that bitch is on heroin. And then they're like, the fuck? So they just take her, throw her ass into the police car, and they take Cindy Henny to that same holding area on the state park where David Parker Ray is. Mm. Um, police came in to question Cynthia after this. She did admit flat out. She's like, I'm a sex worker. She goes, I do have a heroin addiction. Um, she's like, the last time I used was two days prior to my birth. She, she's being very honest. Mm-hmm. She has no reason to lie to them. Right? Right. Like, what happened to her was so real. And she probably was thinking in the back of her head, like, if I'm not honest with them, like, it's not going to help me. Like, if they find out that I have a heroin problem, they're going to be like, well, we can't trust you. Like, you didn't right. tell us you were addicted to heroin. Da, da, da. Right. So she's very honest. She's like, I do sex work. I do have a heroin problem. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you that because I want you to believe my story. Right. Um, she tells police everything about, like, what had happened to her over those three days. She tells them about how she was abducted, like, the rape, the torture, everything that David Parker Way had been telling her about, like, the victims he had before, the photos he was showing her. Um, and she had actually, so she was abducted in Albuquerque, and Albuquerque is 150 miles away from Elephant Butte. So they took her a significant mm-hmm. distance away from where she was initially abducted. So after they get... Cynthia V. Hill's story, this is when they start trying to question David Parker Ray and Cindy Hendy because they're like, what the fuck? They're mm-hmm. like, what the, f- hey, what the fuck did we find in your house? <laughs> and B, what, what the, the fuck? fuck did you do to this woman? So while they're questioning, so at first, they're both cooperative with police at first. So they tell the police that they, they admitted to kidnapping Cynthia, but they said that they took her because they were going to help her detox from her heroin addiction. Excuse me. Um, yeah. They said that the reason they chained her up was because of the symptoms of her withdrawals. Like, she was seizing and she was having all these really terrible withdrawals. And so, like, oh, like, we chained her up so she wouldn't hurt herself. What? Um, nobody believed them. <laughs> They're like, God. y'all are fucking liars. Um, so, Ray and Hendy are both charged with counts of kidnapping, assault, criminal sexual penetration, and conspiracy. So, after they get questioned at this facility in the state park, they are then transferred over to the Sierra County Criminal Detention Center, and this is when they stop cooperating with police. So, March 23rd, the police get a full-on search warrant for David Parker Ray's entire property, because they're like, they couldn't really dig around. Everything they found in David Parker Ray's home was just like, it was visible. Yes, yes. So, when you go in to do, like, a wellness check, like, if you walk in... Mm-hmm. And something is readily visible to mm-hmm. you, like you could that could be like admissible in like a court of law as evidence. Mm-hmm. You just can't dig for things. Mm-hmm. So they're like, there's gotta be more shit here. Cause they're thinking about all the stuff that Cynthia told them about the other victims and like these photographs and the toy box that she mentioned. Like, yeah, we got we gotta search this fucking place. 
So they get their search warrant on March 23rd, 1999. And they go in and they are immediately delving into searching this fucking compound, basically. So in the house, in the trailer, they do find Cynthia's clothes. And they found over 400 different items of like jewelry and other small personal items that did not belong to David Parker Ray or to Cindy Andy. So it's like, then who the fuck did these things belong to? Right. Um, the other thing, the big thing they found was the toy box. <laughs> so uh. behind the house mm. was a big, like 25 foot semi truck trailer. Mm-hmm. It had a deadbolt on the door. Um, they bring a locksmith in to take the deadbolt off. And when they open the door to this fucking trailer, what they find literally, like, blows their fucking mind. Like, when I tell you that this was, like, a certified, full-on fucking sex dungeon slash torture chamber. And again. <laughs> it was exactly that. There were signs on the walls. Like, one of them said, Satan's Den. What the? F- and the yeah, that's where said, the fuck you guys came from. Literally. And the other one just said, Bondage Room. Um, This literally just, like, makes my skin crawl. The, like, main feature of this toy box was this big... So, they're calling the semi-truck a toy box. Yes, that's the toy right. box. This big, like, semi-truck trailer is the toy box. Okay. That's what it is. That's what David Parker refers to it as. Like, that's what it's referred to in all the... It's the toy box. Mm-hmm. And this was what... Remember when he was leaving for work that day? He's like, I got a surprise room toy box. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what... This is what he was referring to. So, in the center mm-hmm. of this toy box mm-hmm. was this big, black, handmade gynecologist chair. It was... It had stirrups for the feet. It had cables with electrodes. There were straps. And it was also set, like, on a track in the floor so it could be easily pushed forward or pushed backwards. Um, On the ceiling, above the gynecologist chair, was a huge mirror. So if the woman in the chair tilted her head back, she could see exactly what was being done to her. Um, Literally every inch of this fucking toy box was covered in, like, just various things to be used for sexual torture. We're talking whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamp, there's leg spreader bars, fucking surgical blades, leather belts, there's sandpaper, needles, there's fucking saw blades, there was speculums, (laughs) in, like, an absolutely just insane amount of fucking, like, DIY, like, sex toys, like, fucking dildos and shit that were what made from, like, wood fuck? and metal and what PVC plastic. Um, they found a, um, what they called a motorized dildo. It was 15 inches. Oh, my God. It was basic. <laughs> it was attached to, like, one of those motors that basically just, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it goes back and forth. Mm. And it was marked with three speeds. Um, the speeds were buzzer, light, and probe. Yeah. 15 inches. That's a lot of inches. Uh, and, so, and it was a big motor. It was hefty. Like, it would have, you would have to, like, two-hand hold that thing. Um, there was ropes, there was pulleys, there was handcuffs and chains hanging all over the walls. 
Um, there was also like in one of the corners, this big like wooden contraption that was very clearly meant to be used to like bend a woman over at the hips and like keep her bent over that way. Like there was wrist restraints, there was leg restraints, like a restraint like that went over the back, basically just to keep somebody bent over and completely immobilized. Um, Mm. on the walls, there were tons and tons of like detailed diagrams both like actual like medical diagrams and like photos from like porn magazines but they basically just depicted different methods for inflicting pain on people um the police also they discovered a videotape that was like time stamping from 1996 and in this video it showed like a woman being basically like raped by david parker ray um There was also a large, like, metal drawer kind of set into the wall that when you pulled it out, it basically was just, like, a big, like, slab, like you would find in, like, a mortuary. Um, They also found a whole bunch of, like, pieces of paper, basically, um, that were either, like, they were, like, articles from, like, the bondage magazines or just, like, notes that David Parker Ray had written to himself. Um, And on one of them, there was, it was a set of instructions that detailed how to use what they called a mechanized tool to inflict as much damage to a woman's breast as possible. And like, here we go with the fucking, I have, I have the quote. Um, the instruction said, quote, this process is very painful and due to the constant motion, the body will not adjust to the pain during the operation. The subject will remain in extremely painful duress. So it's, it's instructions how to fucking torture someone. Yeah. Um, there was also like a clipboard that had a list of names. I think they probably figured these were like, names of women he'd had in the toy box Mm -hmm. and then there was also like a piece of paper that david parker ray had like again like written himself a note on and they were basically like his fucking words of affirmation like he would this is what he would read to himself to like hype himself up before he brought somebody into into the the toy box um this note read quote remember a woman will do or say anything to get loose they will kick scratch offer money bite yell beg scream Run, offer sex, threaten, lie, wait for opportunity. Standard excuses are sob stories, menstruating, pregnant, venereal disease, AIDS, sick. Kids are with the babysitter. They have to work. Sick baby, sick parent, claustrophobia. We missed by a husband or friend. Bad heart, can't miss school. Don't let her get to you. If she is worth taking, she is worth keeping. And she must be subjected to hypnosis before the woman can be safe released. Never trust a chained captive. So, like, this is what he would read to himself. Basically be like, this is everything she's going to try to do to make you pity her. Don't pity her. You took her. You keep her. Do not let her go no matter what she says. And it's like, he'd like, this is like his fucking, like, hype music. He's like, yeah, this is how I get ready for work in the morning. Literally. He'd like go in there, but all right, let's fucking go. Like, he's fucking like, punching the air. The reading his little fucking words of affirmation. Uh... Um... There was also an old TV that was mounted on the wall, like, opposite that DIY gynecologist chair. Mm. And there was also a video camera mounted on a tripod that was pointed at the chair Mm. as well. So, clearly, he's 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 recording recording all of this. Mm. Um, The entire trailer had also been completely soundproofed. (laughs) So, like, when you, like, they would stand outside and they couldn't hear a fucking, like, a person could be screaming in that trailer. And, like, the person outside couldn't hear a fucking thing. Mm-mm. Um, collectively, David Parker Ray spent over a hundred thousand dollars creating this fucking toy box. Oh my god! It was like his pride and joy. 
He was so proud. Like, this was, he's like, this is my torture box. Mm-hmm. He's like, MTV Cribs, come see my torture box. <laughs> MTV Cribs. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, fuck. So after they find this toy box, they're like, this is bigger than we could have possibly thought it was. So they call in the FBI. They're like, yo, FBI, we need your help. This is nuts. This is fucked. So the FBI comes in and they start taking over the case. They actually bring in, like, their behavioral science unit to, like, help out. Basically profile David Parker Ray, try to figure out, like, what his MO is, where he could possibly, like, did he have other victims? Did he have their body? Mm Da-da-da-da. Because, like, they found his journals. Like, they know that he's keeping very, very meticulous records of all the women that he's And clearly this little shebang. Oh, Yeah. He has put some time and fucking effort mm. into this thing. He is, it's clear that he's been at it for a long time. He's got mm-hmm. his shit down to like a fucking science, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the FBI come in and Cindy Hendy catches word that the FBI is now investigating the case. And she's like, oh, fuck. I'm in deep shit. Mm, and yeah, this bitch. is when Cindy Hendy starts talking. This is when she tells the police, she's like, I knew what he was when I met him. He told me all about it. And I know the shit that he was up to 30 to 40 years before I even met him. And I can tell you all about the shit that we did when we were together. Oh, shit. And that, my friend, is what we'll talk about in part two. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, She's like, I'm out on your bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she said, uh, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. Because at, at this point, she was, you know, she was trying to stick by her man. She's like, we ain't going to say shit. But she finds out the FBI's and she's like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. She's like, I'm snitching. She's like, we're <laughs> fucked. We're fucked. She's like, you give me a plea deal, I'll tell you everything. And yeah, like, what she tells them that we're going to talk about in part two, holy, you thought what they did to Cynthia Vigil was bad? <sighs> Yay. Yay. There's even more. Mm, There's even more mm-mm. to it. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll also talk about, like, the trial in part two as well and kind of, like, what the aftermath of all that was. But, um, yeah, that was part one <laughs> of the Toy Box Killer, David Parker Ray. Great. Yeah. Now you know why I didn't want to do this all in one part. <laughs> yeah, because that took us, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have to sit here and talk about this shit for, like, like holy fuck. hours. Yeah. It's, like, to the point where I, like, can't even wrap my head around it. Like, holy fuck. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you some pictures of this toy box. Entertain the masses while I'm Googling. Entertain the fucking masses. Y'all, this one's fucked. Like, we've we've gone through some fucked ones. The titty soup. <laughs> the cannibalism. The fucking torture of that, that uh, Japanese girl. Oh, yeah. Junko. That one was terrible. That one's really sad. Um, I mean, we got some bad bitch survivors. Those ones were also terrible, but they survived. At least they survived. Well, I mean, Cynthia Veal survived this one. But, like, he also had 40 plus... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so this was his little DIY gynecologist chair. Yo, what the fuck? Um, these are like some of like the chains and shit he had on the wall. Um, oh, I showed you that. There was yeah, like this is just kind of like a close up. Like those were like his little like DIY like dildos he would make Ew. out of like PVC pipe. Yeah, um, these these I can post on the Instagram because they're like disturbing, but they're not graphic. Mm. Oh, this one. What the fuck is that? These little, like, tick marks are, like, inch markers. 
And what then are these, these are nails that were melted into the base. Of, Excuse the fuck out of you. Yeah, I'll talk about that one a little bit more in part two. I even have like a uh, clip from the um, documentary of one of like the police officers who like found the toy box. So I like, searched it. He's like, he's like holding it in his hands and he's like talking about it. And I have that like that uh-uh. audio clip mark too. No to way in hell am I going to be holding two. that thing first of all. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> fuck. Oh, oh, this was that dildo I was talking about. Yo, what the fuck? Literally, what the fuck? Like, look how big that fucking motor is. It's huge. Yo, what? Yeah. Yo, these this... people, what the fuck? And the fact that fucking stupid-ass Cindy was Cindy. just like, yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna do this yeah, together. Here's, here's, like, what the outside of it looked like. It was just basically just, like, a big, like, trailer. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. It was fucked. Like, fucked. <laughs> dude. Oh, this is, uh, this is Cindy Handy right there. Ugly bitch. Bitch, you got some fucking nerve. She, right? I mean, both of them nasty fucking motherfuckers. Like, it's like, it really says something that, like, when you're, like, super ugly on that on the inside, like, you're literally physically ugly on the outside. Just, you are so full of filth that, like, your body itself is, like, we need to be physically ugly because we are <laughs> internally fucking disgusting. Like, what the f- what the fuck? We should end this because five blows are close. All right. Well, the general consensus on part one is what, what the, the fuck. fuck? <laughs> um, we will have part two recorded soon. I'm probably gonna release these a week from each other. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna do both at the same time because that's a lot for y'all to listen to. Mm-hmm. So part one will be out Tuesday, which so which then? will be probably the day. I hope well, most of you guys are listening to this, and then part two will be coming out a week after. Um. So, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, um, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But if you, you know, want to stick around, if you're interested in knowing what cases we're going to cover next, you should follow the Instagram at TSRH Podcast. We have a Facebook page, um, TSRH Podcast. If you want to send us any emails, TSRHpodcast at gmail.com. But that's all I got. Autumn, do you have anything else to say to the people? Welcome back to the motherfucking party, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get ready for part too. All right. <laughs> we'll fucking see you there. Catch you on the next one. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>